welcome to a new episode of Broadway Radio's Tell Me More. I'm your host, Matt Tiamanini. Here on Tell Me More, we strive to talk about projects and topics that don't often get covered on theater podcasts. On this episode, I had the distinct pleasure of speaking with Francis Jew, who is currently starring in Wild Goose Dreams at the Public Theater. The new play by Hansel Young and directed by Lee Silverman tells a whimsical, powerful, and poignant tale that speaks to people of all backgrounds, especially in our fractured world. Earlier this year, Jew also teamed with Lee Silverman to lead the world premiere of the Play with a Musical Soft Power, written by Janine Tesori and David Henry Wong, both of whom Jew has worked with in the past. Tesori in the original company of Thoroughly Modern Millie as Bun Fu, and Wong most notably in Yellowface, for which Jew received a Drama Desk nomination. In addition to his career on stage, Ju has played the Chinese Foreign Minister Ming Chen on CBS's Madam Secretary throughout the show's run, and is a member of Actors' Equity's National Council. In our thoroughly fascinating conversation, we discuss the complexities found in Wild Goose Dream, Ju's process to develop a character, the experience and future of being a part of Soft Power, Equity's current campaign to change the terms on the lab contract, and much more. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with Francis Jew. I'm really interested in, well, first off, I'll say this. I don't live in New York, so I don't get to see all of the shows that I'm really interested in. Um, so sure. I'm, I'm super bummed that I'm, I haven't been in town while this show's been running because it just looks so interesting. So I have a lot of... Uh, kind of weird questions to ask. So that's where they're coming from because I haven't seen it in all of the reviews and the pictures and I've seen videos and stuff. It just looks like this is such a unique show and you've been a part of it, I think longer than anybody in the cast coming from California and then into New York. So normally I like to ask just from your perspective, what's the show about? But it seems like there's so many different realities and, and fantasies going on in this show that it, it seems like it has to be something that while there's a basic plot has to kind of be seen to fully comprehend. Am I on the right track there? I think you're absolutely right. The, the, the show is, it incorporates a love story between a woman who has defected from North Korea to South Korea to um, uh, a Korean goose father. That is a, a man who has sent his family to America um, for the um, education opportunities for his daughter. And um, it's also about longing and our, our need for uh, connection as reflected by the internet and all of the things that pop up, all the things that we post on the internet, and, and also about the stories we tell ourselves um, to help us define who we are as people, as people in the world, um, the stories that our parents told us that help us define who we are and, and who we are in relation to the world, um, and, and how all of those stories are unreliable. And, and we have to, uh, we, we have the opportunity to decide, to choose which stories to create, which stories to believe uh, in order to um, manage um, our reality um, our our faith in ourselves and in our institutions and in our world, and and um, and that's why, um, as the defector's father, um, I appear at the very top of the of the play, 
um, telling a, a bedtime story because those are the kinds of stories we first remember, our first memories of storytelling. And and guess how reliable our parents were as storytellers. <laughs> and, and you'll get you'll get the kind of sense that the playwright Han Sol Jung has about how tenuous our relationship to the world and our identities can be. Yeah, and it, I, I'm so fascinated by how, like you mentioned, it weaves in with the modern, uh, the impact that technology has on our modern form of communication. Because as I've kind of gone through some of the, the reviews and seen these videos, it seems like, yes, what we've, like you talked about, what we are told by our parents might be unreliable. But even for these two people at the center of this love story that you talked about, the communication mm-hmm. between them who... They grew up on a peninsula not very many miles apart, but there are still barriers in communication to how they talk to each other. It, it seems that this is a story that even for those audience members who might not have any of the understanding of that part of the world directly in the history can at least identify with the fact that it's hard for people to connect and communicate when we're bombarded with things from every direction at every possible second of the day. That is exactly it. I'm surprised that you haven't seen the show because you've, you've described it so well. Well, maybe I shouldn't have told you that and I could have just lied about it for you. <laughs> you know, even, even with the Internet and what we think of as really easy access to information, to other people, um, even in our one-on-one personal relations, the distance that each of us has to travel in order to actually know one another to be vulnerable to one another, to feel loved, I think is enormous. And that's, that's part of what Hansel is, is, and Lee and the designers have all tried to do. They've, they've completely transformed this space at the public. I have never seen a space like this at the public where you enter what feels like the memory of someone's family album. Uh, combined with documentaries on the, the times in which you grew up on both sides of the border. And um, and, and while the show is about, uh, it, it employs a lot of human beings on stage to represent, quote-unquote, technology, <laughs> um, the technology is actually uh, represented um, as the people posting and the people reading, the people searching, and the people deleting, um, that, you know, while it, it sounds like a show that, that deals with technology because the Internet is represented on stage, it's actually a play about how everything that's on the Internet is generated by human beings trying to make a connection and finding their tribe. And, um, and how difficult that is. I mean, I, I think I read an article in the Times just recently about how um, people on the Internet tend to ghettoize themselves. They tend to search for things that affirm their beliefs as opposed to expand their understanding. And, um, and we do that not just on the Internet, but in our personal relationships, too. And so it's really, really hard, I think, to... Um, feel like you are known, uh, even by those you love. Um, it's really hard to love someone and hold them close when, as a parent, say, when your job is to shove them out of the nest and create an, an individual that can survive on their own. So 
it, it's though that it's a tension between those things that I think are at the heart of the play. And it's interesting that you said shove them out of the nest because I know that there's quite a bit of uh, aviary, aviary uh, metaphors going on in this show, <laughs> not just from the title, there but there's are. other. So well done. You're staying on message. So I appreciate that. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> um, I study well. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you've been with the show, uh, you know, for quite a while, you did it at La Jolla. And you know, I think, are you the yeah. only cast member that it was in both productions? Yes. Um, in fact, I was, I was supposed to uh, do the workshop when um, the Sundance Theater Institute uh, worked on the uh, play as well in Morocco. Oh, wow. Um, but, but just before, I mean, they had worked out a visa for me and everything. And just before I was about to leave, my mother went into hospice. And oh, so man. I had to b- back out of the project. Um, now, this is a project that Lee Silverman offered to me without showing me a script. I never saw a script, <laughs> but after working with Lee for the last 11 years, She's I just amazing. said, yes, whatever you yeah, want me to do, of course. I will do. I trust you. Um, and, it, you know, the experience of uh, alongside my family taking care of my mom um, as she passed actually became a really um, uh, wonderful way for me to connect to the script um, because the script deals with um, the distance uh, created when my daughter um, defects from North Korea and our inability to communicate with one another um, and yet our desire to uh, communicate with one another and and how even even apart um, I think when you love someone it's possible to communicate with them yeah, I'd imagine that's a, a the, the type of thing that for those of us that aren't actors or even even artists specifically, we, you know, I think for it's it's hard for us to kind of understand how actors do what you do and and find a way to embody other characters. But I would imagine this is one mm-hmm. of those things that seems very uh, understandable for us to going through that experience with your mother and then to turn around and play the father and not a, the same situation, but one that I'm sure has a mm-hmm. lot of, of corollaries. So that's, uh, that's fascinating. Big resonance. Yeah. That's true. You know, I, I've been asked many times um, in the last 30 years to teach, um, to coach, um, to direct. And you know what? I, what you said is absolutely right. How each actor approaches the work, um, what motivates them, what inspires them, what what triggers um, the a productive response is, is very different for each actor. And so, you know, I, I don't know what to say to, <laughs> to other actors in terms of, of technique. I can only describe how I do my work and um, how it works for me. Um, you know, I never studied this. I never went to school for this. I was an English major, which is why... I really get off on, on, you know, text study and, and, and I have a real um, sort of sacred contract with scripts when, when I work on them. Um, and that has allowed me to be, I think, um, selfless in, in, in that I don't have an ego attached to a script. Um, I, it, it's, it's fulfilling the script. It's finding how the script actually reflects aspects of myself that maybe I didn't even know or don't even want to acknowledge. Um, and, and, you know, some actors respond to that kind of uh, work and, and other people don't. So, Yeah. Well, it, I, not the, the trajectory of this conversation that I thought we would go on, but I'm fascinated by that. So mm. when you say you start with the text, I think 
on a base level, everybody kind of understands that you read the script, see what it tells you, you know, from the logistics standpoints, the the specific details, mm-hmm. the given circumstances. But then obviously, mm-hmm. like you said, you have to kind of put yourself into the script and put the script into you to see how that kind of shines a light on some things that aren't necessarily in the words, but are in between the words. So what is your, yeah. what is your process? What do you, how do you do that exactly? I mean, not specifically, cause I'm sure it's a long process, but in general, how do you go about internalizing that script and figuring out what it's telling you and what you are telling it? Well, I think at the core, uh, the core question that uh, whether it's a moment, a beat it within a scene or an entire scene or an entire play, the, the, the core question for me is what is this for? What is this? What is the idea behind this? What inspired this idea? And what is that idea? And what are we, what are we trying to say? And, um, and then figuring out how my character, my character's arc um, contributes towards telling that story or obstructing that story, but in some way has a relationship to that story. Um, that's, I, maybe that's my English lit sort of background uh, way yeah. of approaching a script. But and 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 one thing that I, I think I've learned over time is that I can have my own idea about that. Critics will have their own idea about that. Every audience member is going to have their own idea about that. So I can intend what I intend. I can tell a story that I want to I want to tell, but I can't control what each audience member is going to hear and what they're going to understand. Um, I think that most audience members come to a show to be entertained, but what they're really doing underneath it all is figuring out why am I here and what is what is going on yeah. that you know um, that that gives this experience a purpose, whether it's just to be entertained or whether it's to examine something that is uh, very close to them or to provide commentary on the world. It, it, you know, those questions I think are inherent in, in the live theater experience. And um, that's, that's part of what's so exciting is sometimes we can really, uh, we can agree or we can disagree at any given time. And, and that's really exciting. Um, I think it, going back to what goose dreams, um, part of what Hansel um, does so brilliantly in mixing all of these different ways of telling stories is, is audience members come out going, I didn't realize it was going to be so funny. Um, all of these miscommunications. Um, and then other people go, I didn't know it was going to be so tragic and so sad. Um, other people say, I didn't, I didn't realize it was going to be so hopeful um, that there was going to be such a sense of perseverance and endurance um, uh, that that gives us, you know, reason to try again um, at the end. And and each member is going to get what they get out of it, which I think is part of what is so exciting about theater. Absolutely. Well, I have to ask then, what is Wild Goose Dream for? When you asked that question at the beginning, what was your answer? Oh, you know... Um, if you want to share, I don't know if you want, if that gives too much away, I'm, but I'm going to, I'm going to deflect by, by saying that, um, I've heard Hansel tell the story that she started writing this story when she felt very alone. Um, she had emigrated from South Korea to America to study. Um, she was a woman. She was not an American. She was, um, a lesbian and she was, 
you know, she felt desperately alone. She didn't have a tribe here in the States. And so she decided to try to write a love story to make herself feel better. And um, I think that at, at its heart, and, 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 and she said that once she found her, her partner and it started to look like the relationship was going really well, once she found a relationship with a public theater which supported this play, even though, you know, there were people who have said, you know, I've read it three times and I still don't understand it, but we're doing this play. Um, Once she found her tribe, she was able to write an ending to this play where the heroine can look out over a beautiful river from a, from a, a gorgeous bridge and, and, um, and admit that she has loved. And I, I think that that, you know, um, I think that's the purpose of the, of the play for me is, you know, life can be really confusing and we can get overwhelmed with everything going on in the world and we can feel misunderstood and, and we can be searching for love, but it's always possible, even in, in loss, even in pain, even in longing. It's, it's always possible to, to find um, a way to love and, um, and to actually reach someone, communicate. Um, and, and I think for me, that is, um, that is what I am moved by by the end of the play, every single performance. Wow. I love that. Well, last last question about this specific line of, of questioning. You said that mm-hmm. what you find the play is for is not necessary. It doesn't have to be the same thing that the audience does. But do you find that you have to come at it and find some sort of um, agreement with the other cast members, with the director, with the creative team? Is that something that's discussed? Or is it about you and your experience with the character, who obviously each character has their own intentions, but uh, do you find that you have to understand on a communal level what something's for, or can you all approach it from different perspectives that way as well? Well, I'll say it it helps. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, and it often... When, when when everyone sort of agrees on what the community is and what the community is for, it can really help not just um, with um, the the best fulfillment of that play possible, but it can also help with the, the culture backstage um, as well and, and how people work with one another. But then again, you know, I've worked on shows too that were very successful where I, I don't think anybody agreed on what exactly the play was about mm-hmm. or, or the style of the play and, and stuff like that. There are happy accidents, but yeah, I think that it's, I think it, 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 it will only help <laughs> if everyone agrees. And, you know, there are playwrights who are willing to talk about that kind of stuff. There are playwrights that um, are, are more reticent to give away their secrets um, to talk about their children. Um, um, there, there are directors who like to talk about large ideas, and then there are directors who just want to talk about, you know, when, when, do you, when should you blink in this scene, you know, <laughs> things like that. So, so you know, um, it, takes, it, it, it takes a village, and I've worked with a lot of different kinds of people. Yeah. Well, and some of those people that you have worked with before, you said you've worked with Lee Silverman for for many, many years. And in fact, this Mm -hmm. is this is not even the first show that you've done with her 
this calendar year. Um, and I don't want to spend That's a lot true. of time on it, um, but you were uh, involved with uh, Soft Power out in Los Angeles, um, Janine mm-hmm. Tesori, and, and you, in one form or another, you played the playwright David Henry Wong. And um, yes. and that's another show that I obviously I, I don't live on the West Coast, so I didn't see that either. But from everything that people said, it is this big, ambitious show that, again, crosses cultures in a, in a lot of ways, but is more than meets the eye on on the page. Uh, can you just talk about the experiences of, again, working with with Lee on both of these projects that come at, mm. you know, very different topics, but in very kind of creative artistically indirect ways. They're not just realism on stage like you would expect from, you know, some more traditional theater. Oh, soft power is real on so many different levels. (laughs) I got to tell you, it is living life um, as we know it right now. Um, Again, it was a project that Lee said, I want you to attach yourself to it. I, I want you to work on it over the course of you know, I don't know how many months it will be, but I don't have a script yet. And but David's <laughs> writing it. And so I was like, well, okay, whatever. Um, I've got these gigs coming up. And, and so between the gigs that I had already lined up, I did maybe a year and a half, maybe, of, of um, uh, different readings and workshops of this script. And I, I got to tell you, it, it, it was another one of those scripts where I looked at it on the page. And we read it aloud even. And I said to, I kept saying to Lee, I don't understand what's going on. I hope I'm being helpful, but I don't know what's going on. Because, um, and this was part of what was so exciting. It took um, David and Janine and Lee a long time to figure out and then be brave enough to say exactly what they mean and what they wound up with was so directly exactly what they wanted to say, which is really scary, I think, um, because it is a play about, again, the stories we tell ourselves. We are a democracy. We believe in freedom. We believe in equality. What does that mean in real life? What does that mean for somebody who isn't perceived to be part of America? What does it mean for people who um, come from outside America? And all of this within the context of David wanting originally to write a sort of role reversal for the King and I, where, you know, you have a story about a foreigner going to an Asian country and somehow hooking up with the King (laughs) and teaching him how to rule his country. And, you know, on its face is ridiculous. But what we experience when we watch the King and I is bliss. I mean, it's one of the most beautiful, well-crafted, effective musicals. It's, it's gorgeous. I've done the show many times and I love, I love the King and I, and yet on its face, it's a complete lie. (laughs) (laughs) But we don't, but we don't want to believe that it's a lie because it's so beautiful. So, um, David, set himself the task of saying, well, what if somebody from China came to America and somehow hooked up with Hillary Clinton (laughs) and helped her uh, learn how to um, rule America? 
uh, govern America? Well, he started this the idea for this script before the election in 2016, okay. and when uh, and then she lost. And um, he has said this many times uh, that he thought, well, that's really bad for the country, but it might be really good for my show. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah, because then both, uh, why doesn't he help her with, you know, after the election and and how to heal the country and and stuff like that? Uh, How much more challenging is that? And then shortly after the election, David, on his own block in Brooklyn, got stabbed in the neck. Um, and the uh, and the police believe because there was a rash of these sort of anonymous, random incidents where Asians were getting slashed, pushed onto subway tracks, uh, socked in the back of the head, you know, just just random attacks um, uh, that that he was targeted because he's Asian. And you know, um, all of his wealth, all of his notoriety, all of his accomplishments, even on his own block in Brooklyn did not protect him from something like that. And, and somehow he, David and Janine and Lee were able to incorporate all of these ideas into a play that gets overtaken by a musical that <laughs> challenges the audience to question, what do you believe? You know, if we, if we, if, if we really look at what we say we believe, and then what we are actually doing. What do, you, what do you believe? And at the end of the show, I got to stand on the edge of the stage and just, and really, literally ask the audience um, whether it was worth believing in any of the, these things anymore, in faith, in, in community, in democracy, in equality. Um, and uh, is, is that really what we stand for? And uh, whether we were, uh, you know, at the Amundsen in L.A. Or, or at the Curran Theater in San Francisco, the resounding, um, overwhelming response from the audience at the end was just so life affirming. I, I can't I miss the show because of that moment. Um, and um, and so, yeah, uh, it was it was a great, great experience. I, I, I it was one of the best experiences of my life to wow. develop that helped develop that show from beginning to um, its its um, first production. Is there, hope you miss it, is there any discussions behind the scenes about bringing it to New York for the first time? I know it had it so many great people attached, but it, like you said, it's a big, confusing uh, thing on paper. So is there discussions about trying to bring it to New York and get it worked out so that people in New York can have that experience as well? I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> you don't have to, if you can't answer, if you're not allowed to answer, I totally respect that, but I can't do my job I, without asking. I am confident that um, we haven't seen the end of soft power yet. Good. And I, I think that there is, you know, there is much more to come um, that I, I have no idea what it is, but I, I am willing to bet that um, you ain't seen nothing yet <laughs> where soft power is concerned. I'm glad to hear it. Well, um, I, I will let you go. We've talked uh, about so many great things, and I love it. But I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you. You are um, a, an Actors' Equity National Council member. Uh, so yeah, I feel I like I need – I have to ask about the current 
campaign that uh, Equity is ongoing um, has ongoing about the the lab contract and and what that mm-hmm. means. And I think for theater fans uh, in general, for those of us in you know the the community and the business, we kind of understand what that means. But for fans, it it it's contracts and it's money and it's percentages and all that stuff, and they don't really understand what it means other than the talk of a hasn't been a pay raise on this contract for 11 years at its core. What is equity trying to fight for with this new contract negotiation? You know, I don't speak for actors equity, but I will tell you that uh, from my perspective as somebody who over my career has, has helped develop new shows, um, uh, both plays and musicals, both in and out of New York city, some of which have gone to Broadway, some of which have been on off Broadway, some of which have been done regionally and have had um, subsequent productions uh, that, you know, we are looking at how creation is defined, how development of new work is defined uh, in uh, what is a living art. There, you know, it's, it's not a, a piece of paper entirely. It's not a, a picture. It is something that is performed. And so it can only be developed on the bodies and the souls and the talents of actors and stage managers. And so what, you know, fans and people in the industry alike should understand is that um, actors' equity um, started uh, getting a lot of feedback from people who do this work a lot alongside the totality of the membership as well that they wanted to be acknowledged when a show recoups and becomes really successful for their contributions to the success of that work. That's basically, that is all that we are asking for, truly, is for um, our uh, creative contributions to be acknowledged. And, you know, um, I've been involved in in, um, a number of different uh, development processes where it, it's not just about, uh, you know, I will never say that I authored a line if I improvised something or I ad-libbed something in rehearsal that got written down. I, you know, I am not the playwright. I am not the composer, but I'm the one that allows the writer and the composer to see what is possible with what they're writing, what they're rewriting, and what they want, wind up deciding to actually put on stage. And um, I don't. I, I think that for a long time that contribution has been underestimated. Now, you know, we're in negotiations now with a number of people who already have, with their particular shows, um, gone a long way towards acknowledging the contributions, the creative contributions of actors and stage managers. So we're not really asking for anything new. We're, ask, we're simply asking the, the Broadway League to acknowledge what many of their members are already doing. Um, and and um, we think that this is only fair once a show becomes a big success. Now, you were confident that we haven't seen the last of, of soft power. Are you confident that mm-hmm. this can be done and decided and finalized in a, a way that is equitable to the to the performers, but also um, sustainable and acceptable to the producers. Are you confident that you guys can, everybody involved, and I know you're not necessarily involved at the negotiating table, but you, are you confident that we can figure out uh, an answer to this to move forward in a productive way for everybody involved? 
I, you know, I've been involved in negotiations uh, on behalf of Actors Equity for the last 15 years, and we have been able to weather many, many storms and many, many different ideas about how the business of um, producing theater um, is done, uh, both commercially and, and, um, and not-for-profit, and I am confident that we can uh, overcome our disagreements on this as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I have thoroughly in- enjoyed uh, talking to you today and hearing about the process of not only Wild Goose Dreams, but soft power and everything <laughs> else. I uh, wish you the best of, of luck here. The, the show run, uh, Wild Goose Dreams runs uh, through December 16th at the public, and uh, I hope that everyone goes and sees it and then tells me how great it was since I'm not going to get a chance to. So, <laughs> uh, So thank you for everything and have a fantastic rest of the run. Thank you so much, Matt. Great talking to you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tell Me More. My name is Matt Tamanini. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt, and you can reach out to Broadway Radio on both Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. We will have information for Wild Goose Stream at the Public Theater in the show notes and on broadwayradio.com. You can also find Francis Jew's social media information there as well. Tell Me More is produced and edited by me. Special thanks to Lauren Alexander and the man without whom none of Broadway Radio was possible, James Marino. Thanks again for listening, and remember, I hope your troubles are few. All my good wishes go with you tonight. Also, always get a second scoop, and when you get the chance, ask people to tell you more.